Manchester City Continental Cup winners 2022. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of MCW Fancast. I'm Emma, thanks for listening. City recorded their sixth consecutive win across all competitions against Everton last Saturday at Walton Hall Park. I'll make sure I get it right this time. I even knew that I got it wrong last time. Sorry about that. In the Women's Super League clash. This week I'm joined by Dave and Paul as we recap on our latest win and look ahead to Sunday as attention returns back to the County Cup. Dave, Paul, thank you both for joining me. Dave, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, Emma. Thanks for having us on again. Yeah, always happy to come and chat City. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good. It's uh, on a bit of a roll at the moment. Another win, so obviously that was obviously puts us in a good place. Yeah, six consecutive wins now across all competitions. Looking for our seventh win uh, this weekend uh, against uh, Sunderland in the County Cup. Let's talk about Everton first, though. Dave, we'll start with you. Obviously, you were at the game. Uh, a good result on the day for City. It was a good result. It was a tough, hard game, which it always is with Everton. Quite a midfield battle at times as well, especially second half. I thought City played very well. I thought we were a bit unlucky to not be in the lead at half-time, to be honest with you, because I thought our first half play was excellent. But at the end of the day, coming out with the win and the three points was the most important thing, and we did that. And it's good to see the team dig in and, and fight for, for it. And um, again, it's momentum. And as you say, it's like six games on the trot we've won. It's, it's building the momentum. It's building the confidence. Now, as I said on the podcast the other week, I think you can see this team growing together week by week. And it's good to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Paul, you look at the result and, you know, City were relentless in terms of wanting to go and get the win. Um, obviously, it was quite a, a closely fought game. And, you know, there are things that went against us on the day. I think there were some big moments in the game. I think it almost made it quite exciting at times. But... Um, obviously, to to get the win the way we did, you know, it's a two-one closely fought game. Does it make it all that more pleasing? Absolutely. If you look at the stats, uh, it was fifty-two percent, fifty-two percent possession for us, forty-eight obviously for them. You know, normally we we would expect higher levels of possession the way we play football, and I think it's a tribute to the way that Everton set up, the way they went after us, the way they really gave us a really tough um, game. I think our team looked a bit leggy at times because most of them have been international duty over the last few days. Some of them flying back from God knows where. And I think most of the Everton players haven't been on international duty. So we looked a bit tired at times. But I agree with them. I think you know they got stuck in. The midfield worked really, really hard. I think it's the first time they've been under the cosh a little bit in terms of you know a, a tough press. They played really well. They got out of that. Uh, Bunny scored again. Fantastic. Uh, and I thought uh, Blackstead had a good game as well. You know, she was in the right place at the right time to not that goal in. Bit of poor defending for the first goal, uh, for their goal. Um, I think you know, we could have probably done a little bit better there. And there was obviously an issue with a, a dispute about a penalty. But overall, a very good performance. <laughs> the goal was very scrappy. Uh, Everton's goal. Very, very scrappy, but you know it's a set piece. There was a lot of bodies in the box, and it's it's one of those things. No one's to blame for that. But I think you said that like the first goal. I mean, Bunny obviously she she probably could have had more on the day. You know, first goal was ruled offside, and there was barely anything in it. But I think, like you say, Bunny at the minute unselfishly, you know, she'd obviously spared that ball for Blackstead, and she was able to get that finish. And it was nice to see her on amongst the goals as well. And she had a really good performance, I thought. Blackstad, yes, she certainly did. Um, we, we talked about it the other week, Emma, when we said these players that weren't starting games, that their time will come. And 
by rotating them, Gareth needs to know they're ready when that time comes. And Black's had a perfect example of that. She came into the side. I thought she was probably our man of the match, actually, player of the match. I thought she played really well up and down that line. She scored a goal. Um, she got up and supported the front players when they needed, but was still doing her work down the line and defending back as well, which is, uh, you know, a bit like uh, the modern fullbacks and wingers. That's the role they have to do. It's almost like that, that role now overlaps and it's a hard role. You know, it's a hard 90 minutes in that role. And I thought she put in a really good shift. I thought Laura Coombs again, as Paul said, the midfield battle was was hectic at times, especially second half. And Laura Coombs was excellent and very unlucky not to score a worldie when Bunny put the rebound in to make it 2-1. She was unlucky because Laurie had a great shot that hit the post it at that point. It was so nice. Um, i tell you what, if that had gone in, I think that would have been goal of the season contention without doubt. It was, it was a belt. She's got that in her locker, hasn't she? And, and yeah. she was very unlucky that that didn't go in because it certainly beat the keeper. What we need to see is something like Bunny's alive to the rebound. She's so alive in that six-yard box. Yeah. Um, all the best strikers score. So people say, oh, it's a tapping, it's a tapping. You've got to be there. You've got to be there and you've got to be ready for it. And Bunny was, and it's in, and it wins us the game. That's that's the difference between one point and three points. And um, yeah, so I've got nothing but praise for the team. Paul's right. We were a bit leggy. We were a bit tired. I think Gareth knew that. Um, he had a dilemma second half where he, should he have changed it or should he not? But we were winning. Um, it is, I think, away games like that straight after international breaks are tough. They are tough fixtures without a shadow of a doubt. Um, the good news is that now he's got Conti Cup this week, so he's got two weeks between his WSL games. So those players can now have a little bit of a rest, do some training. I think he'll rotate the team against Sunderland again. We might see some people who have not been starting games start again. We might even see the young kids that play against Blackburn on the bench again. That's a possibility because they've. I see our EDS development squad have won two games this week, so they're in good form. So he might promote a couple of them again. I'm sure he'll look at that. But I think that the fact that we're not playing a WSL game this week is probably for the best for us. It, it gets them ready again to go again for Brighton the week after. I mean, it's interesting you say that. I was watching the warm up. I uh, was watching the, you know, in the warm up, you've got the, the the eleven that are playing warming up on one side, and the subs warming up on the other. You know, you had Alex Greenwood, Demi Stokes, two of England's starting back four, Steph Orton with over hundred caps. All the others, Mary Fowler and all, virtually all of those full internationals. And you've got Ruby Mace, who thankfully has made a recovery from injury and hopefully we'll get a, I suspect we'll get a run out of Sunderland. All of those players you're going to rotate into the team are all, apart from the young player, full internationals. So, he's, you know, we've gone from having Georgia Steinway's reserve goalkeeper last year to this year having a really strong starting eleven plus a bench that is virtually all full internationals and experienced internationals at that. So on Sunday, you would expect him, as you say, Dave, to put all of those players in and give them a run out. And hopefully Ruby will get a run out because I think she's one of the most exciting uh, defenders in, in the league, young defenders. I think she's potentially going to do an Esme Morgan and being a full international before so very long. Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, David, it was quite interesting to see only that one change when Coombs got substituted and Mary Fowler came on. But perhaps if, we, if we'd have been ahead a little bit more and had that more comfortable lead, we may have seen some earlier changes. So I think that kind of reflects in the confidence that Gareth had in the players on the pitch to go and get that result. Yeah, because they were playing well, um, but they, obviously it was that sort of game and you know, they were playing so well. I mean, I think Laura's the one exception she had to come on because she's in such a shift. He didn't want that energy and that 
that like t- tenacity in the middle to drop. So by putting Mary in, you know, it's almost like for like for the last 10, 20 minutes of the game. Um, but I can understand it's, it's a bit of a dilemma, isn't it? You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If they'd have scored an equaliser, um, they said, oh, why didn't you put something, someone on and what have you? But they, they were playing well. It was, you know, Everton were playing well. Don't get me wrong, Everton, Everton were pushing. And But I mean, you, you look at things like they nearly got through and there was a great tackle late on by Wahabi. There's another example of someone who came into the side who hasn't been starting and had a great game. And she made a very, very important interception very late on. I don't know if you saw that, mm. when yeah. it would have been a chance shot on goal and, and, and it wasn't. So there's another example of someone coming into the team and being ready. And it's great to see after last season. It's fantastic. And I'm really, really confident now that this squad can, can move forward and, and take on like these, these bigger games. And now they're, they're only getting better because they're getting to know each other and they're playing together a lot. You know, it's now, you know, we're getting towards like the midway section of the season and they've only, only been playing together since August. Mm. Um, you know, so it, it can only get better for me. Bunny Shaw, eight goals in seven matches. And she spoke post-match about you know, this current winning form and the run that we're on and it's saying that it's, it's breeding confidence within the squad and we kind of spoke about that last week. But obviously that is the feeling amongst the team, that is the feeling amongst the squad and, and the manager. We can only really continue to build on that now because, it, it like I said, it, it is beginning to translate on the pitch and, and we're seeing that now in those performances. I mean, we keep saying it and it's a bit of a cliche, but it's true. You're starting to see a team that is going together. You know, as Dave says, they've only been playing. Virtually, this is virtually a new team that we've got. We've said it before, we've lost three world-class players in the, in the summer. We've now replaced them with very good, full internationals who are now feeling their way into a system. And we're playing a quite sophisticated system where we're looking to pos- for ha- lots of possession, move the ball about, not just whacking it up to Bunny with long balls. It- it's considered play. That takes time. Uh, and But what was great about the Everton game was you saw that when you need to get in the trenches, when you have to really step up against a very t- tenacious and very good Everton side, actually, they are a good team, that, that they're prepared to get down and dirty uh, and Laura Coombs, for me, did this Georgia Stanway stuff, the hard yards that Kiva Walsh always talks about with Georgia. You know, I could only do what I do because someone like Georgia is doing all the hard work. And there's where Laura Coombs is coming coming into play. And I think she, as Dave says, she was fantastic. Esme Morgan, again, just looked imperious at times. She just looked, you know, she's come back from a serious injury and she just looks like she, she's controlling that back four Winning that back four, she looked brilliant. And I have to say, Sandy McIver in, in goal, you know, very solid, gives Gareth a few headaches uh, around selection now because she is, you know, England's arguably number three goalkeeper. She's in the England squad all the time. She won't want to be sitting on the bench again. So lots to, lots of positives to take from that. Lots of progress. And we said it before, I think there, this team is a long way ahead of schedule in terms of being a very good team. I, if you ask Gareth privately, I think he'd say, I didn't think we'd be where we are now in terms of the quality. You know, we can grind a result like like we did at Walton Park or we can go to to other clubs and give them a good hiding because we're, we're just that much, just got a little bit more extra. So for me, it's, it's the best of both worlds. Play, play possession, quality football when we need, when we've got the space to do it, get down and dirty when we need to. That's what good teams do. 
Do you notably see a difference in in the keepers? They're very different in how they play. I mean, we didn't, we, obviously we play out a lot from the back with Ellie and I didn't feel that we were doing that as much or we have been doing that as much with Sandy. No, we probably haven't. If you think about the Liverpool game where we made a mistake, they nearly scored and then we made a mistake and they did score. Um, they playing out from the back that day was not at its best and it is the way City like to play. You're quite right, Emma, and probably not quite as much when Sandy's in goal. You, you might have a point there. I think there's more, it goes out faster to the wider area, maybe sometimes a kick or a throw. And um, it just it just offers something different. And maybe if you're under the cosh and it's a tight, I think Gareth knew the sort of game that Everton was going to be, because we all know what Everton are like as a team. Um, you know, it was always going to be a tenacious, tough battle. I was never going to think we were going to go there and roll them 4-5-0 or anything like that. I had a feeling it was going to be a close game. That's how it was. So possession becomes really important when we can't afford to give it out. So it's just, you know, Sandy hasn't come to sit on the bench. She, Paul's right there. I'm sure she, you know, her, her ambitions are to play every week and to get in that England team, um, just as Ellie's are, you know, and it's great to have two, two goalkeepers. It's the one position, unfortunately, where one of them can't play every week. Sometimes in other positions, you can move players around and still find spaces for them in the team, but you can't do that with goalkeepers. And it's a shame, really. And um, although I see that <clears throat> Ellie, Ellie wasn't on the team sheet at all on Saturday, so there may well have been a knock involved or an injury involved there because. We know she played for England and then Kiara was on the bench on Saturday. Now, if if Ellie isn't fit for this Sunday for the squad, we might see Gareth play Kiara because he wants to rotate the goalkeepers in the Conti Cup anyway. So that's a possibility. So I presume that would, would count on whether Ellie is injured or not. Uh, we've not seen any news or anything, but she was at the game, but she was not named on the bench. So I, my feeling is she came back with, with possibly with a knock from the uh, from the internationals. Um, but I'm quite happy whichever one plays. But I think you are right, Emma. I think there is a slight difference in the playing out. But playing out from the back has, uh, and covers what Paul said there. That the form of Esme Morgan has been excellent. And there's a real partnership developing for me between Esme Morgan and Leah Alexandria at the back. They, they seem to really click together. They're almost like this This, this, this modern... They're not centre-arms, are they? they you know, they're, they're central defenders. And the, the way they bring the ball out from the back... It's looking better and better and better. It's almost, you know, it's the it's the city way playing from the back. And as Paul said, Esme Morgan's just growing and growing. It seems to be doing it a world of good, the captaincy, because she just seems to be growing in confidence with it as well, game by game. And Alexandria seems to be the perfect foil for, for me, for her. Um, she She's very comfortable with the ball at her feet. Um, and start, you know, her playing out from the back has been excellent. So I've been really impressed. I thought she was excellent again on Saturday. Other than Laura Coombs, I think she's probably the best player on the pitch. I know Bunny got the plaudits and Bunny got the player of the match, and, and rightly so, because she scored the winner and stuff like that. And she's doing her job. But I thought that though um, that, that Alexandria was, again, outstanding. And I, I love the way we're playing at the moment. I think it's really, really good. We've just got to keep it going, keep that momentum going. Focus. I know it's an old cliche on the next game. We're all looking towards that derby as a big game, and it is. But we've still got two Conti Cup games and in a very important league game against Brighton first. We want to win all those games going into the derby. We got a derby. I f- forgot about that. <laughs> um, so, um, obviously, Lauren Hemp was missing um, also on Saturday, but Blackstad got her opportunity and, and played really well. A doubt as to whether she will be available again. You know, obviously, they're, they're looking into the injury and need to sort of find out a little bit more information about that. Perhaps we'll find more about that on Friday. 
But um, I think it's worth also mentioning, you know, on the other side, on the other wing, you've got Chloe Kelly, who made a 50th appearance for the club. And despite being out for, you know, the majority of last season, it is quite a milestone achievement and it almost feels like it's come around quite quick. It's it's funny. You, you feel like she's been at the club forever. She's not been there that long. You know, and it's, it's, it's a weird sort of thing in your head. You think, you know, she, she's, you know what you think? Oh, she's a bit like Steph Orr. She seems to have been, you know, part of the furniture. But she's only been there a short time. And yet she's made such an impact as a player. You know, she was brilliant before she got the injury. You know, she got that awful injury, you know, you know, an ACL is, you know, the curse of the women's game at the moment, you know, time and, and loads more research needs to be done into ACLs because, you know, we're getting them almost weekly now and it's it's going to be, it's ruining people's careers. But Chloe, I thought, had an excellent game. Again, she, you know, she, she didn't have the space she would normally have, but she kept at it, she kept going, she kept working hard, she kept trying to go past people, she was willing to take the ball. You know, she's a, she's a world-class winger. You know, and and in that game where, you know, it was tough. Just you know, she took she 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 took on a leadership role as as a senior pro. So that's a great way to mark your fiftieth appearance, isn't it? With a win and a great performance. You know, she's just she's just a class act. I am really excited by what we're seeing at the moment, and you know, we've spoke about how much of a, a big sort of run of games it is now as we look ahead to sort of that winter break. And obviously attention now turns to the Conti Cup for City. Obviously teams have got a game in hand on us, but um, it's it's good now that we're, we're sort of able to get another game in uh, in the Conti Cup and it's against Sunderland. And Sunderland are a team that we've we've not played, I don't think, till like 20, 2018, the last time we played them again in the Conti Cup, Dave. It will be, yeah. And if, yeah. Obviously, next WSL, they haven't been in WSL for about three or four seasons now, which is a shame. I miss going up to Sunderland. Probably not going to be their priority, Conley Cup. I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine it. it seems like Sunderland will want to get back into the WSL at some point, and that'll be their priority. But, uh, yeah, I love the Conley Cup. It's a very important cup for us. It's never done us any harm in the past. We've always done very well in it. Uh, it gives us a chance, as I said before, to rotate. We might see Angle Dahl play, um, we might see Hayley Rasso back in the squad because she missed last weekend, so she might be ready to play. We might see Alana Kennedy. I think we'll certainly see Ruby Mace. Players who need games. These, these players need games. This is a perfect example for it. This, this is a first first team, first class game. Um, yeah, we might see some of the young kids who did so well against Blackburn. We can't emphasise how well those those girls did when they came on against Blackburn. They all slotted into the into the roles perfectly. Um, and that's that's a testament to the to the club and to the coaching staff, to the academy staff that you know, they're coming through and it's not phasing them the way that City plays, the way that they've been taught and it's just slotting in. And these are the perfect games to do it. I can't wait. I think it's um, it's really exciting to see, team play, you know, when teams rotate and you see some of these young players coming through and it's, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Sunday. It's also a good opportunity for the players, though. I mean, you know, for the Sunderland players to play, I don't I don't want to disrespect them, but, you know, a, a higher calibre sort of opposition. I mean, I know it's been difficult for them in the Championship this season so far, but, you know, they're quite a difficult side to break down Sunderland. Defensively, they're quite good. It's not going to be as perhaps straightforward as what people think it is, because actually they are quite a relatively good, uh, robust side. I, I think there's a lot of snobby around the Conti Cup. If we want to grow the game, then we then we have to include teams in the Championship and below and give them the opportunity to play at a higher level, to learn, for players to learn more about themselves and more about their team. I think it's a privilege for us to be able to play 
teams like Sunderland and Blackburn. I think it's an important part of the game's development. I think it's an important part of our pledge to grow the game. And for me, um, our players, our younger players, as Dave says, the players that came on against Blackburn will have learned so much from that experience, that, that 20 minutes playing a, you know, a live game with top-class pros. So we learn from it, we get a bonus, and we can rotate our team. And Sunderland get an opportunity to play a, a, a top-class team in great facilities, and they will learn so much from that themselves. So it's a win-win. And anyone that thinks the county cup should be abolished doesn't know anything about the women's game. Because the other thing you've got to remember is that the WSL is a short season. The county cup allows us to look at other players, to rotate players, and to give younger players an opportunity in a less pressured environment to develop their experience and to work, you know, with you know, play alongside the likes of Steph Horton, the likes of Angle Dow, you know, potentially, you know, some of the first team, other first teamers. You can't buy that. And the only way to do it is to get it in the Conti Cup because all the other stuff's too high pressured to take a gamble. In the Conti Cup, you can take a bit of a punt and we learn and we gain and so do teams from other, other divisions. Who, who on earth would think that was a bad idea? No, I agree, Paul. I think it's a great cup. It's always been good for us. It's never affected our league form. There's no way, there's no reason why you can't win the cup and then go on and do well in the league for it because the cup's out of the way by March. Look at what a good time we had last year, Emma, at that cup final. What a day that was. You know what I mean? That's the fourth time we've won it. So I've got a lot of time for the county cup. I think it's a very important cup in our history. I don't play down just like I don't play down the league cup with the men's side. I think, you know, it's a trophy. There's only so many trophies you can go for. Mm. And this is one of them, though, yeah. I'm, I'm up for it. I, I hope we get there and I hope we win it again. <clears throat> Players want the opportunities to play. Like you said, until we sort of get to a point where we can see those uh, lower league teams transition and make the leagues bigger, um, you know, you're going to take your opportunities as they come. Um, you know, obviously we've not got a Champions League and, there, you know, if it's Conny Cup, FA Cup, you know, whatever, if you're battling for the, the Super League, they're important cups and they're important parts of cementing yourself domestically. Um, you know, look at Chelsea, you know, they're one of the biggest teams domestically in this country at the moment. And, you know, we've had our fair share, but at some point we've got to be up there doing exactly the same, if not better. It, it, we've got to be progressive and we've got to, whatever we're competing for, we've got to believe that we can win it and go far. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> no, I agree. I agree completely with that. Yeah, you do want to enter these things to win it, and we've got a very good record in it. We've got a very good record in the WSL in terms of our average finish. We've, you know, we've not finished outside the top three for like seven, eight years. You know, it's we need to step on, and it was difficult because we've lost good players last summer, and you, you want to try and build team round players, and we start again. But as Paul said earlier, I think we are ahead of the curve on that this season. This team grows if we can keep the nucleus of this team together. I think over the next couple of seasons, we, we could be a real threat in, in everything. Um, you never know. We could be this season if we keep the form going. But, you know, if, if not, this team will grow and get better and better and they'll learn from any mistakes they make along the way. I'm pretty sure of that. What I am glad to see about the Connick Cup is that they're playing it on a weekend. I think that helps. If you're playing it on a Sunday, um, Sunderland, I think we've got Leicester away on a Sunday. We're going to run a coach to that. It makes a massive difference to Sunday rather than a Wednesday night when people are working and at school and there's only a couple of hundred people there because they can't get there and it's the middle of winter. To see it on a Sunday afternoon at two o'clock 
you know, when people can get there and come and enjoy a game of football, I think we'll get a better crowd than we would have done on, say, on a Wednesday night. So that helps. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see the club pushing it. And it's a, it's another game. And I just want to win every game we play anyway. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk this week about um, away fans and segregation in stadiums. Obviously, United travelled to the Emirates uh, last weekend to play Arsenal. And um, they got their result. Again, a, another team that's showing progression and showing their worth in terms of competing. Just on the away fans and the segregation, it does have a positive spin because hopefully they can see the reward of that now. You know, having those fans together, clubs are talking about the part that they played in, in perhaps that win. You know, and we've been talking about this for a while. Is it hopeful now that clubs can take something away from these sort of experiences and, and see the positive side of it going forward and that, that we can hopefully see more uh, away fan segregation in the stadiums. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of Twitter chatter this week and I think it's been sparked by the fact there was a significant away end at the Emirates for, for the Arsenal game. Um, I mean, I, my experience uh, of this is, is relatively limited, but I, I remember when we played Chelsea in that sort of title decider at home. I bought my tickets really late and uh, ended up sitting with, more, with the Chelsea fans. Now, I've got nothing against the Chelsea fans and, and it's not like the men's game in any way, but it didn't enhance my experience sitting with them. And I'm sure me sitting with them didn't enhance their experience. I want to know if I'm going away where the fans are. You know, on, on Saturday, I went away for the first time with the, with the official supporters club and the away end was basically... Uh, a, a, a sort of fence at the end of this, you know, we all sort of congregated at one end, sort of informally. But when it's in a big stadium, I want to know which, 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 where, where the fans are, so I can enjoy the experience with my, with my, with my peers. Um, so I'm in favour of, of segregation, not because I think it, it creates any divisions or it, it's going to stop any trouble because there is none. I think it just creates a different atmosphere. Awesome. You know, when you go to a men's game, if you go to the Etihad, the away end is, you know, South Stand. Everyone knows that. That's where the fans congregate and it creates a different... They create noise. It creates an atmosphere in the ground and I think it's a different flavour. So I think there should be a designated away end because I think it will add to the atmosphere and I think it will make sure that fans can enjoy it with their, with their friends and with people who support the same club. There are so yeah. many things about it, isn't there, Dave? I mean, obviously, for the OSC for, for many a season now, you know, when it comes to arranging fans getting together, enjoying the games together inside um, opposition stadiums, you know, you do have to communicate with everyone where you're going to be sat. And and it, mm. I think Dave spoke, uh, Paul spoke about then about, you know, enjoying the game with your core selection of, of supporters, your group. Or it can also be the same for the for the players as well, because they know where to go to 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 celebrate their goals, their moments. You know, there is a connection there as well. It's, it is so important. I mean, even buying games, uh, buying tickets, sorry, for games can prove difficult for fans at times. You have to go through clubs directly. You have to register accounts. And, you know, it just would be so much easier if we could just <laughs> have an allocation that was available for fans to be sold through the clubs directly. Spot on, Emma, that's the hard thing. You get most teams released all of WSL home tickets, say, in August for the whole season. So you've got to look at those fixtures and you've got to think, right, well, if they haven't got an official way, and some teams, a couple of teams, Arsenal and Leicester off the top of my head, 
they suggest which block you, you should buy in if you want to sit together as away fans. Because they're playing at the King Power Stadium. They say, sit in this block. That's what we tell them. And we do that. And like you say, Emma, we have to then convey that to all our OSC members. If they want to sit with us, this is the block we're going to be in. And we convey that to our members and to any other City fans who want to sit with us. Uh, but it's such a hard job that, I mean, and you've got, like you say, you've got to register with the, the home team. You've got to buy through their ticket thing. Now, a perfect example of this was, the other, and I'm not singling Reading out because this happens at many teams, but at Reading the other week, we all bought tickets. We, we, we said we were going to sit in this section. It was the bottom section. It was throwing it down with rain. Everyone was getting wet. The stewards all came along and said, it doesn't matter. You can sit where you want. Sit in any seat you want. We, you know, it doesn't matter. It's not going to fill up. So that's the stewards on the day saying that. And we do that. We move up, and then you. But then the Reading fans start coming in. Oh, you're in my seat. We've been sat here for three or four years, you know, and things like that. And it just causes. Whereas if there was a section at the end, they could have just given us the away section there that day, and it would have saved themselves hassle as well. So it not only does it save the fans hassle, I think it saves the clubs and their staff hassle on the day as well. Um. So yeah, I think it's. Um. I know the FSA are strongly behind the, the idea. Of having official way ends and um, certainly it's easy enough in the big stadiums because they're already there as Paul said you go when we play at the Etihad to have the away section when United went to the Emirates they have the away section it, that's easy done you've got to look at it as maybe at some of the smaller grounds like at Everton at Walton Hall Park what would they do things like that we'd probably have to stay almost unofficial there because they haven't got the seating arrangements to, to, to have it so it's not a one cure fix all um, problem without a doubt but I do think that we should push for a certain amount of tickets to it allocated to the away team through that through their own team so that we can buy tickets from City for a City end at an away game, just like you do with the men. I think that's the initial thing we can do. At. Now, if there's certain games we can't do that, at, such as, say, Everton or something like that, if it's not feasible, then they can convey that as we go. But you see... Most teams now are put, the problem is most teams put, City included, by the way, put all their home tickets on sale for every game at the start of the season. So there's people who've bought tickets for games that are not till next May, you know, because those seats are already taken. And then it gets difficult if you haven't got an official away and, and you get a group of fans who come and want to sit together. It's difficult for them to be able to do so. It's not like the men's game. I don't think there's, a, there's any trouble at any of these games. I don't think mixing is, is a major issue. It's just purely an atmosphere thing and people wanting to sit with their friends and their own supporters, which is natural, really. And I think I, it helps the game. Yeah, I think as fans, though, you know, creating that atmosphere um, is a huge part of the game. And I think that almost gets lost, um, you know, when obviously you've got fans scattered around the stadiums. And it's not anyone's fault. You know, there are fans don't mind, obviously, sitting in neutral sections of grounds. And that's absolutely fine. You know, it's the women's game. It's a totally different vibe. But, you know, for those fans that do want to sit together and create that atmosphere and get right behind your team, um, it can make the difference. And to, to be allowed to be able to do that, and without the difficulties of the communication aspect and the actually pulling together and trying to come together to do that, it, it just seems like a, a perfectly simple solution to enable fans to have that opportunity, that choice. I mean, I, I'm now in the ludicrous position of being a member of Everton Football Club. That's where <laughs> I, I join their, their membership scheme in order to get tickets to watch their women's team. Now, I've got nothing against Everton or any other club, 
But it's this is a ludicrous position that I am now officially a member of another club that I will almost certainly never go and watch again unless I go back to Walton Park. And and I did notice, because um, it's my sort of debut, uh, and I was expecting Walton Park to be a little bit more grand than it was. And basically it's one, it's like one stand, which is all the seating taken up by the Everton fans, and rightly so, it's their home game. So the, the official supporters and all the other people that turned up we were at one end, sort of straggled around this fence, this sort of low-level, waist-high fence, from sort of basically the two, a third of the way down the pitch to right behind the goal. So we, the whole, the chanting, everything was a bit disjointed because people weren't sat together. And the Everton fans were sat together, and they were singing and chanting in a much more unified way. So it seems to me that when you put people together, fans together, you create a real buzz in that group, which then translates to the pitch, then translates to the overall atmosphere, and that improves the quality of the game. We were in the position where Dave said to us, to me and my daughter, oh, we're at the other end, we're at the top end. So we wandered up there, and we sort of that was the official away end. But it was it's just it wasn't satisfactory in my view. Now, when we go to Walton Park's a bit of a throwback to old school WSL poor grounds. Most of the grounds are either big grounds or purpose built grounds. So it it's not beyond the weight of man to allocate a number of tickets. And you over season, you'll get the sense of how many tickets you need to allocate. Uh, how many fans are going away, and then allocate them through. The membership scheme, the citizen scheme, or however people access it, season tickets, whatever, it's not that difficult because the numbers are not going to be huge. They're going to be a couple of hundred, 500, whatever. They're not big numbers. Just get people sat together because when I was sat with those Chelsea fans, brilliant game. We scored three brilliant goals. Not one of the players celebrated towards us. They celebrated to the other stand, the main stand where the, the majority of City fans were. But there was loads of us on the other side of the, the pitch. But th- we didn't get any of that because we were sat with the away fans. That doesn't work for anyone. doesn't work for the away fans. doesn't work for the home fans. So let's have an away end. Allocate next season with FS, FS support to away fans. And then everyone's happy. And we don't have these ludicrous situations. Where potentially, I, I, if I went away more this season, I could be a member of five or six clubs that I have absolutely no affiliation with. It's bonkers. You should see the PayPal account. How much of the emails I get? <laughs> he struggles to find any city emails because he just got <laughs> he just gets emails I'm from. Going, I'm, going, I'm going to fifty. I'm going to fifteen club Christmas parties in the next month. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? I mean, you're right though. The the one it's that makes me laugh more than anything is the the Wimbledon one, Dave, because. They seem to get Wimbledon emails more than anything else, and we didn't yeah. even go. To, we only went to their stadium. We weren't even there. Like we we're even playing their team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. It's uh, it's 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 crazy. It is. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm all for it if it's done properly. There might, like I say, certain grounds like Walton Hall Park that just can't do it yet. Oh. And we can cross that bridge when we come to it, and they can make they can convey that at the time we play them. Um, but certainly for most grounds. We've always done it unofficially. When we've gone to Chelsea, we've had a word with the Chelsea supporters group and we tend to sit in the same corner. It's un- it's unofficial, but we always tell everyone it's, it's unreserved in that stand and we sit in that corner. And then City fans can buy tickets in that stand and sit with us if they want to. 
Um, but it's all unofficial. We, we've worked that out with the Chelsea Sports Group over the years. When Chelsea first came to us, they did a similar thing, and then we started giving them an actual away end, which is the one Paul's talking about mm. that he started. I think that that three all game might have been the first time they had it. Mm. Uh, we've done the same with United last season when they played at the Academy Day, had the same section. Obviously, the one at the Etihad to take care of itself. Um, if you play in a big enough ground, and if you play in a men's ground, it's just not, not an issue at all. Uh, if you play in most of the other grounds, such as Kings Meadow, our ground, grounds like that. I mean, Liverpool play at Tranmere, so it's not an issue there. Reading play at the Majeski, so it's not an issue there. It should work at most grounds. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see it at least tried. Let's try it. That facilitate that option when it comes to the men's game. So, essentially, the, the format and how they do it is already in, in place. So, there can't be that mm. much that they need to do in order to facilitate the request in fairness so the city's ticketing ticketing arrangements are notoriously uh, not very good at times you know i've had at least three phone calls with, with my men's tickets about transfers from the guy i share a season ticket with you know and, and getting them transferred has been a nightmare but if you if we're going to say that the, the get women's game is going to grow and progress there's going to be more people at home games and it's going to be consequently more people wanting to go away so this is the time to think about what those arrangements are. And Dave's right, you know, there are certain grounds like Walton Hall, which probably aren't set up for that sort of arrangement. But the great thing about the women's game is you don't have to hide your colours. You don't have to, you know, get in the ground before you put your scarf on or put your hat on or wear your shirt. So when people do come and they don't know quite where to stand, you know, they'll either see people that have got, the you know, city hats, city scarves, um, at one end, or they'll see people and say, "Excuse me, where, where where's the away way end?" And the way end is at the other end of the pitch. The, you know, it can't. Those, in those games, it can be easily resolved quite informally. But if we're going to take the game seriously, if we're going to grow it, and if we're going, if the club are going to want to grow, not just home support but away support, then we need to start thinking about making as we as we keep saying on this podcast, let's make it easy for people. You know, the casual fan will be deterred from joining Everton's quite complicated membership scheme. They'll just think, I can't be bothered. I did it because I wanted to go at the game and I was committed to going. But if it was a bit 50-50 about it, I might have given up at that point. Mm. And the last thing I want is an email from Man United because I had to join their membership scheme to go to Lee, Lee Sports Village. That's the last thing I want. I don't want any any communication with that lot, but I'm going to be forced to do that if I'm not careful. And as Dave says, the last thing you want to be doing is going to a Man United Christmas party because that would be <laughs> just a moan fest about the Glazers. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. No, I refuse. no, that's the one I wouldn't sign up to. I would not sign up to it. <laughs> I just can't be doing with it. But uh, you're right, Paul. You're making it easier, like we've said many, about many aspects of the women's league. If you make it easy, people will go. And uh, it is easy for the majority of teams to do it, I think. So I'd like to see them try. I'm pretty sure the FSA are pushing it. So the football supporters as a whole are pushing it. Uh, the game's growing. The numbers are growing. So, you know, well, I think it might mean the end of unreserved seating eventually anyway at most grounds. So you won't be able to make your own away ends unofficial and just gather in bits. So you need to be, you know, oh, that's this city section. We'll go in there. If you don't want to, you want to sit in the home section, that would probably still be available to everybody anyway. So it's the best of both worlds. People don't like sitting where it's in. Was it Bramall Lane 
was it Bramall Lane? When we played um, Arsenal in the Conti Cup and there was a section yeah. for City, there was a section for Arsenal and then everything in between was neutral. And of course, the FA Cup final is, is you know, two ends. That's exactly. Two ends. It was, you know, we were at one end, they were at the other and everybody else probably was somewhere in between. But, mm-hmm. And it was a great atmosphere. You know, you could hear it from their end. You know, in fairness to Chelsea, they came and gave it a go. We were making a ton of noise. And it what what happened? We had a fantastic game of football on the pitch, you know, because the, the players are not unaware of the general hubbub of what's going on around them. Um, so I think it's um, I just think it's the next, you know, it's this, it's part of the gen the evolution of the game, yes. just to start thinking about these things, yeah, you know, start putting processes in place. I think so that's the that, point it, Paul. Yeah, it's the evolution, it's the growing of the game. It's it'll happen naturally if it. I think you're right there. I think you got that spot on. And you only have to look at, you know, look what's happening now. We've got this World Cup break. You know, record attendances across the board because people have sort of suddenly thought, I've got no football to go to. The message is put out there. Women's football continues. I mean, Sheffield United had 11,000 on the other day. Yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? That's that's an unbelievable number. You know, yeah, it's brilliant, Mark. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. You know, the Emirates sold out. You know, the, the Derby's nearly sold out. I'm, I 40, at the Emirates one there, and what did Chelsea get? 38,000. And yeah. I think we've sold yeah. something like 30 odd thousand, you know, over 30,000 now. And we're going to get a better crowd at the Derby than we had last time. And it's all natural. It's growth. It's the growth of the game. It's, it's you know, it's happening naturally. You know, um, so things need to change with it, don't they? You know, and that's yeah. one of them. And I think things are changing. I think we're starting to see a more professional back end, if you will, away from the 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 um the, the, the actual matches, the actual you know, the actual contest. But we've got to sort of look if we want parity with the men's game in terms of how it's perceived, then we have to have parity in, in terms of how it's organized as well. And I think big clubs like City have got a, you know all the infrastructure in place to do a lot of the things that fans want to make life easier for us. Um, and it's all about making it easy for those people who are now coming into the game fresh and new and excited about the Lionesses and, and their their successes. You know, it's people can be easily put off by just stupid bureaucratic nonsense, like having to sign up to another football club. Mm. Nobody understands that. And it's just, a you know, I... I I've had to unsubscribe from Everton now for the moment because I don't want an email. So not because I've got out against them. You know, I think they're a great club. You know, they're very much like like our club. But I just think we just need to, um, you know, get it in get it in place, and and then um, I think we'll see more and more people going away, and that will create the sort of atmosphere you get week in week out in the Premier League, you know, the Championship, and I think we will see that at the WSL in the next couple of seasons and that's how we want it on that note guys i'm going to leave it there because i think it's a good way to wrap up this week's episode and thank you both for joining me are you going to the game on sunday paul uh, i am so i'll see i'll see you there yeah dave yeah. Yeah. you. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah um thank you both for your time and we'll catch up soon Brilliant. See you guys. take care and that's it for this week this Sunday, City welcome Travelling Sunderland to the Academy Stadium in our Conti Cup Group B fixture. Tickets are still available, but if you're unable to make it, the match is available to watch live on City Plus 
and recast. Kickoff is 2 p.m. We hope to see you there. Have a great week, everyone. Oh, 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 oh,